0: Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's
1: serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your
2: host, Joe McClain. Praise of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Monday, September the 12th, 2022 on the Feast of the most holy name of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Praise be to God. Hey, the rings of power on uh, Amazon. It's uh, People are talking about it. Question is, what are they saying? Is it bad? Is it good? Or is it just another attempt to bring J.R.R. Tolkien's masterpiece to the screen but failed? Um, we're going to have a conversation around that with Dr. Ben Reinhardt. He is a professor of English over at Steubenville, and he has an article out on Crisis Magazine about this and why uh, why it doesn't seem to uh, stack up against Tolkien's legacy and and work and mind. And we're going to have that conversation at 35 past the hour. We're going to remember 9-11 at 15 past this hour in New York City and Benghazi. But here's the real question that I want to ask. Why is September the 11th just so important to Muslims and, Islams? Why, and Islam? Why do they why do they perpetuate attacks on September the 11th? We're going to have that conversation at uh, 15 past the hour. Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com is going to be on at the top of the next hour for those of you that can join us to talk about Queen Elizabeth's faith and liturgical reform in England. And then, of course, there are tons of stories in the news to cover today. Homeland Security uh, Catholic pro-life advocates formally asked the U.S. Supreme Court this month to recognize the personhood of unborn babies under the U.S. Constitution. I hope that actually takes place. Visas, uh, apparently, Visa, the credit card service, they have apparently caved to demands of the New York Democrats because they want to uh, identify gun purchases as separate items to make that easier to flag. Hmm, what could be next? I wonder. Can't use a credit card to buy a gun in New York? Maybe former President Donald Trump may avoid legal trouble before the midterm elections as federal prosecutors have missed an unofficial deadline to announce charges 60 days before election. So we'll have to see what's going on with that developing story there. But uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe.
3: It's great to be here. I had a fascinating weekend, and uh, well, I'm looking forward to this Sherathon week. That's right, special week. Praise yeah, be to God. You can help support Catholic Radio,
2: and. Uh, We'll uh, we'll talk to you about that a little bit later today. Which means today is the only day our show is normal. Yep. The rest of the week would we'll, we'll, is uh, share a mode, which means the first hour, same as always. So if you're listening now, you can enjoy this hour all week long. Which means mm-hmm. that for a game show, yep. you're going to win today. Whoever calls. Whoever is calls. Basically a winner.
3: And let me tell you, there's only two CDT mugs mm-hmm. left. Just oh, two. That's, it. that's Just it. We're down to only two? If you want to be wow. part of the, the people with the original coffee mm-hmm. cup and Divine Providence replica, mm-hmm. there's only two more chances.
2: Because version 2.0 is probably not going to be the same. It, it won't be. Yeah. ta't going to happen, as y- some would well, say. Well,
3: you know, version 2 is going to be like the Transfiguration. It's going to look oh, a little different.
2: I see. Yeah. It'll still have the scars. Yeah. But it'll be different. It'll, be, it'll look different. Glorified. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca, is here on the ones and twos. You're glowing, sir, back from your thank one you. week off of vacation.
4: Thank you. Thank you. I know. I'm literally glowing. Literally glowing. If you're watching online, you can see the emanations. Yeah, that's right. No, that's no, right. No. No, praise <laughs> be God. You know, I didn't even, I completely forgot this was Sheraton week, so I'm just like, wait, Sherathon well, week. I did not mentally prepare for this. <laughs>
2: Welcome to the deep end of the pool. There we go, folks. There we go. So
4: praise be God. Uh, did you have a good week? I did i did have a great week it was uh it was a blessing so i will uh, maybe i'll talk about tell you about it uh during the after show but a uh, lot to be said a lot to be said it was a very blessed uh there's six days that I got to spend uh, over in Clear Creek Abbey. So I'll tell you all about it in the after show. So make to, sure you yeah. stick around. And
2: today is the only day for the yeah, after show. Yeah, it's the only day. So. so if you don't stick around for the after show, you won't hear all the amazing yeah. stories I have to tell you. You will miss out. Yeah. And you can always hang out with us in the after show on our live video streams linked up at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash forward slash CDT. Check us out there. All of the live video is linked up. Let's pray. Let's get into it. We have a lot to cover today. It's going to be a great show. Share us with a friend. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for
3: tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, September 12th, and here are your headlines this morning. Good to be back here telling you the news from the Washington Examiner. Headline goes, Charles III officially proclaimed king in ceremony after Queen Elizabeth II's death. The new king ascended to the throne in a traditional ceremony at St. James's Place in London. A number of leading British political figures were in attendance for the event, along with members of the royal family. Charles became, at age 73, the oldest British monarch to become king, surpassing King William IV, who became king at 64 years old in 1830. The Daily Wire reports visa to categorize sales at gun stores in win for gun control advocates. Visa will allow banks to make decisions with enhanced information on whether they will allow purchases at gun shops on their cards. This could also cause other corporations like MasterCard and American Express to adopt a similar policy. Two lawmakers authored the letter, which was signed by more than 12 other Democrats, urging credit card companies to more closely track gun sales. The creation of a new merchant category code for gun and ammunition retail stores would be the first step forward to facilitating the collection of valuable financial data that could help law enforcement in countering financing of supposed terrorism acts, the letter read. The Washington Times reports, all eyes on Governor Newsom as California looks to pass nation's first law to punish doctors for COVID, quote, misinformation, unquote. The bill, which states that some of the most, quote, dangerous propagators, unquote, of inaccurate information about COVID-19 vaccines are licensed healthcare professionals and declares it to be unprofessional conduct for physicians and surgeons to disseminate misinformation or disinformation related to COVID-19, including false or misleading information regarding to the nature and risks of the virus, its prevention and treatment and the development, safety and effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines. The bill defines misinformation as any false information that could be contradicted by contemporary scientific consensus, contrary to the standard of care. And the Epic Times reports India, China, uh, India and China begin troop withdrawal from disputed border area to resolve a standoff. Indian and Chinese troops have begun to disengage from a long-disputed Himalayan border area after engaging in 16 rounds of military uh, talks to resolve friction stemming from deadly clashes in 2020. And those were your headline news
4: this morning. God love you. The saint of the day, or should I say saints of the day, is Blessed Alphonsus Navarrete and Companions. The first Dominican to die in the Great Persecution in Japan was Alfonso Navarte. When Alfonso was very young, he gave up his inheritance to enter the Dominican Order in Valladolid, and after he had completed his studies, was sent to the Philippine missions. The Great Persecution had just begun in Japan. The year before Alfonso left Spain, a group of 26 Christians, including many Franciscans and three Japanese Jesuits, were crucified. In Nagasaki. Despite the dangers, the Dominicans who had been excluded from Japan for several years yearned to go into the perilous mission field. Alphonsus, in particular, after a trip to Europe to recruit missionaries in 1610, begged to be allowed to go to Japan. In the following year, his offer was accepted and he was sent as superior of the missionary band. During this short interval of peace, they began their work. And during six years of growing danger, they instructed the people and prepared them for the dreadful days to come. The missionary career of Alphonsus was brief, and it was always overshadowed by the threat of death that beset the Christians in that unhappy country. However, in the few years of his apostolate, his accomplishment was immeasurable. Like his divine master, he went about teaching and baptizing the people. He is called the Vincent de Paul of Japan because it, because it was he who first began the tremendous task of caring for the abandoned babies there. He anticipated the work of the Holy Childhood Society by gathering up the homeless and providing for their support for money, he begged of wealthy Spaniards. The warning bell of the great persecution was sounded with the martyrdom in Omeral of two priests, a Franciscan and a Jesuit. Alphonsus and his Augustinian companion Ferdinand went to Omeral with the intention of rescuing the relics of the martyrs and consoling the Christians. They were captured on the way and with a young native catechist were beheaded. Their bodies were thrown into the sea. Five years later, on the hill of the Holy Martyrs of Nagasaki, more than 50 Christians sealed their faith with their blood. Some of the martyrs were beheaded, some were burned at the stake. In the, in the group were nine Jesuits, including the famous Father Charles Spinola, nine Franciscans, and nine Dominicans, among whom were Blessed Alphonsus de Menga, uh, Angelo or- Orisco, and Hyacinth Orfanel. Louis Bertrand, a nephew of the saint by the same name, perished in the same persecution. Thousands of Japanese Christians, from tiny children to old grandparents, died amid terrible torments in the the profession of their faith. The anger of the persecutors were turned against all priests, brothers and catechists, tertiaries and rosarians, and they made fearful attempts to stamp out all traces of the hated religion in the country. Pope Pius IX in 1867 solemnly beatified 205 of the martyrs, among whom were 59 Dominicans of the First and Third Orders and 58 members of the Rosary Confraternity. Although all did not die at the same time nor place, they were all listed under the name Alphonsus, who was the first to die. Blessed Alphonsus and companions,
2: pray For us, praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter seven, verses one through 10. When Jesus had finished all his words to the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave who was ill and about to die, and he was valuable to him. When Jesus heard about, when he had heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and save the life of his slave. They approached Jesus and strongly urged him to come, saying, He deserves to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he built the synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But when he was only a short distance from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am unworthy to have you enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not consider myself worthy to come to you. But to say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I too am a person subject to authority, with soldiers subject to me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes here. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning, said to the crowd, following him, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When the messengers returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Eusebius, writing in the fourth century, said, quote, "Although the centurion was strong in battle, and the pre- and the prefect of the Roman soldiers." Yet because his particular attendant lay sick at his house, considering what wonderful things the Savior had done in healing the sick, and judging that these miracles were performed by no human power, he sends to him as unto God, not looking to the visible instrument by which he had intercourse with men. Close quote, Eusebius, pointing out that uh, this centurion really saw something greater than just human capability here, which is already much higher than what the Israelites saw in our Lord, by and large. Ambrose, also writing in the 4th century, says, But the centurion, laying aside his military pride, puts on humility, being both willing to believe and eager to honor. For by the power not of man, but of God, he supposed that health was given to man. The Jews indeed alleged his worthiness, but he confessed himself unworthy not only for the benefit, but even of receiving the Lord under his roof, for I am not worthy that thou should enter under my roof, close quote Ambrose. What I like about that is very interesting. It's sort of a, a bit of a hypocrisy here. The Jews who wanted nothing to do with the Goyen dogs, these Gentiles, these unbelievers, the filth. I mean, they really loathed them. And you saw that even St. Paul points this out in his writings, his epistles. You see this a dividing wall. And yet here they are very grateful for this Gentile because he built their synagogue. So they're willing to give him a little bit of an edge, a little bit of a bonus there. But it's his humility that we focus on, and his faith. Would that you and I had the faith of this centurion, that we would just say, Lord, just say the word, and I know that we shall be healed. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us and 9-11 is coming up next.
0: We're often told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Orman Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the Internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? creation If it's okay to reject one, well then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com
3: men it's time participate in the next national men's march to abolish abortion and rally for personhood on saturday october 15th 11 30 a.m to 3 30 p.m in boston there is a man connected to every abortion men are a big part of the problem and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution all men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m outside of the state house for more information go to the men'smarch.com and spread the word
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at uh, 35 past the hour, Rings of Power. Have you seen it on Amazon? I have not, in all uh, honesty and transparency. I've not yet seen the the series. I'm not sure I'm going to see the series. I have watched clips of it and a lot of commentary, good and bad, about it. But we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Ben Reinhardt. He has an article out over at Crisis Magazine that sort of dives into why the rings of power really fall short of what Tolkien intended. And I learned some things about Tolkien in that article that I didn't know before. And trust me, Tolkien is kind of a superstar celebrity in my house. Uh, Not for my kids mostly, but nonetheless, that conversation is coming up at 35 past the hour. So stick around for that. If you can, we'd love to have you. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news today that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. Of course, yesterday marked September the 11th. And, uh, you know, I, was, I always take a moment when I, when I am r- reminded of September the 11th of that day, of uh, what I was doing that day, what I saw that day, what I felt that day, watching the, the Twin Towers fall, uh, the attack of the Pentagon, and uh, the people who suffered. The aftermath of it, the fact that that kicked off the longest wars in American history, the number of lives lost ever since. But I also remember Benghazi, right? Benghazi, 10 years ago. Benghazi. We we actually interviewed Mark Geist, uh, who fought at Benghazi and was a part of the uh, security detachment for the CIA there. And uh, we had him on the show, I think it was a year ago, maybe. Um, we can always find it on our YouTube channel or Odyssey or Rumble. Search for Mark Gardist under Catholic Drive Time. You'll find that conversation. Maybe I'll include it in the, uh, well, this, there's no email this week, but maybe I'll send it to you next week or something. At any rate, uh, I, was wa- I was looking up today, this, mo- uh, this morning, the historical significance of September the 11th, and I found uh, a website that says, on this day, you know how you have those, like, on this day, back in so-and-so year, this happened? Like, there's this list here, and I find this list very fascinating. But you know what I don't find on this list? September the 11th, 2001. It's not on this list. Uh, uh, neither is Benghazi on this list. This list does not include any of those things. But here's one. September the 11th and the year 9. 9 AD. The Battle of Tutoburg. Uh, the forest there. It was a battle between the Germanic forces and Roman forces. That happened September the 11th on nine, at 9 AD. In uh, September the 11th, 813... Louis the Pious was crowned co-emperor with Charlemagne. That's interesting. Uh, in 910, on September the 11th, 910, Benedictine Abbey of Cluny, founded by William, Duke of Aquitaine in Burgundy, France, one of the greatest monasteries of Western Europe. That happened September the 11th, 910. In uh, Let's see here. In uh, 1226, September the 11th, the Roman Catholic practice of public adoration of the Blessed Sacrament outside of Mass spreads from monasteries to parishes. September the 11th, 20 or 12, 26. Very fascinating. But again, Benghazi not listed there. We lost an ambassador in Benghazi 10 years ago. Other men lost their lives trying to save the ambassador, trying to defend their coworkers and colleagues at the CIA annex there in Benghazi. And uh, the fallout of the cover up that came afterwards. The uh, shucking and jivin, the, uh, the shifting of blame afterwards. And again, 20 years of warfare. So why, why September the 11th is so important? Because it seems to me that there was a trend uh, among Muslims, the extremists, you might say, attacking, I mean, suicide bombers on September the 11th. Why is that? Well, there is an old article over at 1 Peter 5. This goes all the way back to 2016 with Steve Skojek, who not only does not own 1 Peter 5 anymore, he is actually not even in the faith anymore. So please do keep Steve in your prayers. Uh, pray that the Lord will bring him home again. But uh, I found this article very fascinating because there is a great historical significance to September the 11th in the mind of Islam. Um, the great siege of Malta, September the 11th, 1565, and let me tell you you should read up on this battle because it is it is mind blowing it was the most bloody battle and it doesn't get a lot of press but the guy who helped to hold the line the knights who gave everything and just barely made it out alive uh it will it will blow you away here's a little bit of this article it says at dawn may 18th 1565, one of the largest armadas ever assembled appeared on the Mediterranean island of Malta. Its 200 ships had been sent by Suleiman the Magnificent, Sultan of the vast Ottoman Empire, to destroy the Knights of Malta, who had long been a thorn in his side. Abroad, uh, aboard were crammed some 40,000 fighting men, including 6,000 of Suleiman's elite infantry, the Janissaries. Uh, not to mention another 9,000 cavalry and 70 huge siege cannon, one or two of which were capable of hurling 600-pound stones a mile and a half. Opposing this force were just 600 knights, a few thousand mercenaries, and a few thousand Maltese irregulars, in all between 6,000 and 9,000 men. Once Malta fell, which Soliman commanders thought should only take about a week, The Turks would evict the Spanish from Tunis, Tunis, and then invade Sicily and Italy. James Jackson, who wrote a novel about the siege, paints a picture of the do-or-die tactics that ensued during the four-month-long battle. Quote, a hot and fetid June night on the small Mediterranean island of Malta and a Christian sentry patrolling at the foot of a fort of the Grand Harbor had spotted something drifting in the water. The alarm was raised. More of these strange objects drifted into view, and men waded into the shallows to drag them to the shore. What they found horrified even these battle-weary veterans. Wooden crosses pushed out by the enemy to float in the harbor, and crucified on each was the headless body of a Christian knight. This was psychological warfare at its most brutal. A message sent by the Turkish Muslims' commander, whose invading army had just vanquished the small outpost of Fort St. Elmo, a thousand yards distant across the water. Now the target was the one remaining fort on the harbor front where the beleaguered, outnumbered, and overwhelmed Christians were still holding out, the Fort Sant'Angelo. The Turkish commander wished its defenders to know that they would be next, that a horrible death was the outcome of continued resistance. But the commander had not counted on the mettle of his enemy, the Knights of St. John, nor on the determination of their leader, Grandmaster uh, de La Valette, who vowed that the fort would not be taken while one last Christian lived in Malta. On news of the grotesque discovery of the headless knights, many of them in, in his personal friends, uh, Grand Master de Lavalette quickly ordered the captured Turks imprisoned deep in their vaulted dungeons on the fort to be taken from their cells, beheaded one by one. Then he returned a communique of his own. The heads of his Turkish captives were fired from his most powerful cannon direct into the Muslim lines. There would be no negotiation, no compromise, no surrender, no retreat. We Christians, the Grand Master was saying, will fight to the death. And take you with us. The Siege of Malta in 1565 was a clash of unimaginable brutality. One of the bloodiest yet most overlooked battles ever fought. It was also an event that determined the course of history. For at stake was the very survival of Christianity. They were starving to death. They had no energy. They had run out of munitions. Their walls were breached. And they held the line in spite of it all. And they won the day. And they sent the vastly superior or outnumbered uh, numbers of the uh, Turkish armada home and packing in defeat. And that would last. That would stay on the minds of Muslims. But that wasn't the only thing that stayed on the minds of Muslims. In uh, 1609, the Muslim expulsion from Spain was announced September the 11th, 1609. At the very near, at the nearly 800 year Muslim conquest and occupation of Spain, the Spaniards were at long last victorious and taking their country back in 1492. The next century was spent in large part figuring out what to do with the embedded Muslim population that was now part of Spain. It was determined that due to the deceptive practice, uh, uh, and the unsuccessful attempts at missionary work, which had uh, been advocated by St. John de Ribera in his earlier years before he became convinced it would not bear fruit, and the ongoing difficulties between Spanish Catholics and Muslims that the situation had to be remedied. In April 1609, King Philip II signed the decree of expulsion of the uh, Little Moors from Spain. A fleet of ships was prepared in secret, and on September 11, 1609, the expulsion was ordered, uh, and it was read aloud by town... Uh, at each town in valencia so september the 11th 1609 the king made it clear that they had to go then there was the battle of zanetta september the 11th 1697 even after the tide turning victory of the battle of vienna in 1683 so there was that one as well the war between european forces and the ottoman turks still continued for decades In what is considered to be one of the most decisive victories against the Turks, the combined forces of the Holy League in 1684, commissioned by Blessed Pope Innocent XI, overtook the surprised Sultan Mustafa II and the Ottoman army at the crossing of the Seneta River in what is now Seneta, Yugoslavia. The Grand Vizier was killed, the Ottoman artillery was lost, and an estimated 30,000 Turkish soldiers were killed or drowned. Prince Eugene of Savoy, who led the Holy League forces, lost only 300 men. The sultan was forced to surrender and sue for peace. This victory ultimately resulted in the Treaty of Karlowitz in 1699, which gave the Habsburgs all of Hungary and most of the Transylvania and expanded their empire by some 60,000 square miles. These... um, and plus, there's uh, the Battle of Lopanto that comes up not on September 11th, comes up in October next month, uh, the anniversary of it. But these were decisive, decisive history-making battles. September the 11th, in the mind of the Muslims, represents defeat and shame, and, and they wanted vengeance and revenge, which is why these dates keep coming up. And it's interesting because in a time in Europe where uh, states were becoming more nationalistic, and even though Christian princes, uh, were in charge and Christian kings were in charge of these, of these countries, they didn't work well together. It still became very difficult for these Catholics to get along. And so they wouldn't, uh, cooperate in things like the Holy League. I mean, France had treaty agreements with the Ottoman Empire. So it made it hard for, uh, de la Valette to have help come to his way. And they were begging for help. They were literally hanging on by a thread there in Malta, by by the slimmest margin possible. I mean, it was very likely that they were all going to die there. It was a sheer miracle of God that that did not happen, because Europe didn't really send a lot of help their way. And yet these men gave everything to ensure that the tide would not turn and Europe be overran and today would be completely Muslim. Oh wait, what am I talking about? These countries are becoming more and more Muslim every day. There's parts of London and England. You can't go in those neighborhoods. The police won't go in there because they're fully Muslim. It's basically Sharia law there. France, Paris, same thing. These men gave their lives on September the 11th. And how quickly we forget. Let us not forget September 11th. We'll be right back. A great conversation is coming up next.
1: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society. It is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org.
5: Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish
6: Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. In Boston, men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For
4: more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word.
3: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. Breitbart reports Zelensky will deliver keynote address at U.S. Defense Industry Conference. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky will be the keynote speaker at a top defense industry conference in Austin, Texas later this month. Zelensky is expected to make his pitch to U.S. defense companies for more weapons to aid his country's war with Russia. Although America is in a recession and faced with record high inflation, President Joe Biden's Department of Defense announced an additional $675 million worth of weapons package for Ukraine on Thursday. Since Russia invaded the country in February, the United States has provided more than $14 billion in aid to Ukraine. Ground News reports amid energy crisis in Europe, Eiffel Tower will go dark early. The Eiffel Tower, whose twinkling lights define the nighttime Paris skyline, is to fall dark earlier because of an energy crisis relating to the Ukraine and Russia war. The Eiffel Tower is currently illuminated after dark until uh, 1 a.m. rather by an elaborate lighting system that gives it a golden glow. The city hall is expected to propose that the tower fall dark at 11.45 p.m. when the final visitors leave. And the Epic Times reports Tesla proposes new lithium refinery in Texas. Tesla is evaluating whether to set up a lithium refinery in the Texas Gulf Coast in order to secure the supply of the precious material used to make electric car batteries. The electric car company plans to process raw ore material on site in a usable state for lithium battery production, which is now mostly produced in China, the mineral's largest processor and exporter. If Texan authorities approve the proposal, construction could begin in the fourth quarter of this year with the plant coming into full operation by the end of 2024. And those are your headline news this morning.
2: God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up. Do you like being back in the news chair versus the producer chair? Uh, pff, I like them both. Do you?
3: I've, I've, uh, gr- I've had a new appreciation for both.
2: <laughs> Praise be <laughs> to God.
3: I'm stumbling my words too. I'm it's stumbling Monday. through my words it's, too. It's
2: Monday. It's Monday. It's, we'll, yeah. we'll have it sorted by Friday. I'm sure. And then we'll be looking forward to the weekend. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Saturday, it'll be perfect. Perfect. Insight. All right. Praise be to God. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is uh, Dr. Ben Reinhard. Uh, he is an associate professor of English at Franciscan University of Steubenville to talk about this brand new series out of Amazon called The Rings of Power. Is it bad? Is it good? Another uh, fan fiction hack job? Well, we're going to have that conversation right now. Good morning to you, Dr. Ben Reinhardt. Good morning. We're very grateful for your time today. Praise be to God. Now, okay, just so you know, uh, Tolkien is—he's uh, already been canonized in my house. Okay, <laughs> he's in our—he's in our canon. The, the kids have elevated him. If they could give him something greater than just saint, they probably would. Uh, I can't tell you how many times they have read and/or listened to the entire canon of Tolkien's mythical world of of Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth. I mean, I've had to ask them, like, please find other something to read or listen to. It's been so much. And so with they got excited hearing from their friends that this new series was coming out. And they thought, this is going to be great. And then we started hearing rumors about uh some of the production elements and some of the choices that are being made. And I thought, as a parent... I don't know that they can watch this. And now we're seeing there's tons of reviews out there. What is your take? You had a great article over Crisis Magazine. So what is your what is your take of the rings of power?
7: Well, you know, you said, is it good? Is it bad? I, I, I think it's mostly just sad, right? It's not a very good show. There hasn't been, on the one hand, you haven't had the sort of five alarm fire things that we were worried about uh, six months ago when they hired intimacy coordinators or anything like that. But it's just not a very good show. And what most importantly, it's really just not Tolkien's world. Um, you brought the line fan fiction, right? Fan fiction is what happens when somebody who's really enthusiastic about a work decides to copy it and sort of plagiarize it, right? That's what this is. You've got characters playing dress up, but it's not Tolkien's world. It's not Tolkien's moral vision. And people who go to the series expecting that are gonna be very, very disappointed. Also, uh, as far as these things go, it's a much less family-friendly series in a lot of ways Mm. than the original Peter Jackson trilogy was. There's more gore, there's more violence. We're only three episodes in, but they're, they're testing the boundaries in ways that should make people, especially parents, uncomfortable
2: you said something here in your article which by the way is uh the headline is amazon's tolkien it's over at crisismagazine.com you can check it out there but uh, you said something here I thought was interesting. He says, but there remains, uh, there remains a yet greater problem. It looks very much as though Amazon Studios' impatient scorn for Tolkien's moral vision runs every bit as deep as their disregard for his aesthetics and his history. The Lord of the Rings was, Tolkien famously noted, quote, a fundamentally religious and Catholic work. Close to quote, Tolkien himself is one of the great or uh, orderly authors of human history the screenwriters by contrast seem to be thoroughly steeped in the chaos and squalor of our own age which rejoices in the deconstruction of traditional morality the breaking of taboos and the degra- de- degradation of what previous ages held noble and sacred um, I found that very insightful so let me ask the question then what was Tolkien trying to accomplish in his work.
7: So Tolkien's doing many things, right? One of the things he's just trying to do is write a good story. And if you asked him, what are you trying to do? He'd answer that question four different ways. I'm writing a mythology for England. I'm writing a fairy story. I'm writing this. I'm writing that. But he's trying to tell a good story that's true to the world. But true to the world means true to the moral and religious order of the world, too, right? So in addition to telling a good story, he says in one of his letters, he hopes that When people read his work, it will help in sort of the moral renewal of society. He actually says this, right? So in his world, as the product of a thoroughly Catholic imagination, you have piety, you have reverence, you have duty, right? It marches sort of at the background of the Lord of the Rings, but everything in Lord of the Rings is motivated by religious devotion. God creates the world for Tolkien, right? The one God creates the world for Tolkien. The whole conflict in Lord of the Rings is whether or not, is about whether or not God will receive the divine honor that's due to him alone.
2: Mm.
7: Tolkien says that in, uh, oh goodness, it's a 1950s letter, right? It's all fundamentally religious. And because of this, right, you have these patterns emerge, right? the sacrificial hero in Frodo or Gandalf or Aragorn, right? The duty to pour yourself out, right? Taking on burdens that weren't maybe even meant for you. These are the things that define Tolkien. When we turn to Rings of Power, you get something totally different, right? Because they've got this sort of modern Disney version of the hero's journey where you are so special, You've got to speak your truth. You've got to break the rules and only by breaking the rules. Can you be really free? Right? So everyone, everyone who the show wants you to admire is a rule breaker. This individual, you know, on a quest to actualize themselves. Yeah. And the most dramatic moment, if you'll allow me the most dramatic moment that illustrates this, the journey into the West in Tolkien is always this sort of final image, right? It's uh It's the reward for Frodo and Bilbo at the end of Lord of the Rings. It's the journey towards bliss. It's the journey towards beatitude in some ways, right? In the very first episode, we have the character of Galadriel going to the west, going towards that peace that passes understanding. And then the light opens up. You've got the the sort of pearly gates, and she turns her back on it because she's got to touch the darkness in order to fully become herself. (laughs)
2: that's uh it's almost comical i mean it's such a rejection it's an out outright rejection i mean you think about uh frodo accepting the ring and the difficulties the burden of the ring and all that it brings because uh, nobody else uh really wanted to or or uh or could understand the significance of it this frodo says i will take it uh in comparison to what you just explained seems like a photo negative that we're talking about
7: and, and you know, again, I, I think it is, right? Um And I think it's an unfortunate reflection of the world we live in, yeah? I'm 39 years old. My generation doesn't have a lot to be proud of. <laughs> Objectively, we we haven't done a whole lot, but we're convinced that we are the best, the most noble, the most advanced generation that's ever been, right? Mm-hmm. And to, to advance this claim, we've got to sort of tear down, subvert everything that came before. And that's where this new series really does to, seem to be a subversion of everything that Tolkien was trying to do.
2: Hmm. Now, uh, we're up against a break about a minute from now, but uh, I wonder, do you think that they're just simply looking for something to compete with Game of Thrones? Simply? I, I don't know if I say
7: simply, but generally, yes. Game of Thrones is a cultural phenomenon that captured people's imagination for 10 years, right? I very much think that Amazon Studios is looking for something of their own to set against that. That seems to me almost certainly true. Yeah.
2: So will it be as graphic, salacious, uh, sexualized as Game of Thrones? Having not seen the whole
7: series, it's hard to say. It is obvious that they're pushing the boundaries on these things. The third episode in particular was more graphic than anything you would have seen in the earlier series. You've got limbs snapping you've got really nasty gore in ways that you haven't seen before so it does seem like they're pushing the boundaries i'd be surprised if they went as far as game of thrones and please let them not go as far <laughs> as game of thrones but it seems like they're more comfortable skirting that line
2: wow and i guess the only redeeming quality to this is um you know you can watch this uh series through a filter service uh, where the one we use is vid angel And uh, you can filter out sexual content, graphic uh, violence or language or whatever. I guess that makes it at least a bit more palpable. But don't go anywhere. On the other side of this break, I learned a couple things reading Dr. Ben Reinhardt's article over Crisis Magazine. I'm going to share those with you and get his take on those coming up right after this very quick break. So do us a favor and share us with a friend. We'll be right back.
0: Hi, this is Father Stephen Inverado. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the state House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood to the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word.
8: be to Jesus
2: Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So going to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, by the way, uh, make sure to hang out with us today in our after show, second half of this next hour on our live video feeds, where we'll interact directly with you and uh, conversate about whatever you're interested in, including this topic, by the way. I see uh, Petrus has got some good commentary over there. We'll, we'll cover some of that. In the after show, but joining us once again via Zoom chat is Dr. Ben Reithard, an associate professor of English at Franciscan University in Steubenville. Welcome back to the show, sir. Um, Thank you very much. I really enjoyed your article over Crisis Magazine. It came out, I think, last week. If I'm not, no, this came out back in February. This is the one I'm looking at. It's pretty old by now. Um, But uh, you can find it at crisismagazine.org. If you search for his name, you'll definitely find it that way. We could probably. Link to it. But I learned a couple of things that I didn't know in your article. Uh, One was uh, so it's not new that people have been trying to adapt his work to screen. Uh, That goes, he was alive when that started to happen. Um, Number one, I learned that he was disgusted by one of those first adaptations and actually wrote a line by line critique of that. I mean, that should be a very telling key that we can use to understand why these uh I, I from the reading your article to be honest it sounded like you weren't a big fan of peter jackson's work either and uh so that was that was the first thing let me put that out there what is your response to that uh, should we do we have to just go exactly with the way Tol, uh tolkien thought and his opinion of his own work are we are we, are we beholden to that uh can there be lean uh, leniency so i think there can be leniency right and
7: with all respect to Professor Tolkien and hoping I don't offend your children, I'll say <laughs> that he was he was almost obsessive in his approach to his work, both with the care with which he crafted it, but then also the, the zealous guardianship of it. And if you go through his letter with um, in response to the first attempted film adaptation, he will get upset about the number of steps leading up to Isengard, right? He says there's supposed to be this many steps, not that. You know, so he's very, very, very detail oriented. Do we have to go that far? No, right? There's always license for how to translate a book to a film if you're going to do it. It doesn't have to be point for point literal, right? It doesn't have to be point for point, every detail, every bit of dialogue the same. I don't think so. At the same time, at the same time, The importance of preserving the overall vision of Tolkien, the um, importance of preserving his overall world, that is very important. And Peter Jackson, he did all right. There are a few things in the original trilogy that are regrettable. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are many things in the Hobbit trilogy that are profoundly (laughs) regrettable, right? But the first trilogy is a Seems to me a good faith effort, a largely good faith effort to bring Tolkien to screen. Are the things I change? Yeah, but there you still have a lot of the vision preserved, right? Yeah. Um, Hobbit, we start to lose it. Rings of Power, it's gone entirely.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because there were some things uh, that obviously we thought too. It was a, it's a tragedy when they deviate uh, from the original from the original books. Um, and of course, the Hobbit, they took a tiny little book and stretched it over three three movies. It was just like. What are you people doing? I mean, just make one really good film, and that'd have been that'd have been all right. But yeah, I think the money train was uh, was the biggest issue there. But so I also read in your article that at the same time Tolkien was very detail oriented, as you say, because because things meant something. It wasn't just arbitrary. Like the steps had a meaning, and there was a crystallogical meaning to his work as well, as you mentioned in the last segment. But he also allowed, he he also, it seemed like, according to your article, that he was okay with some, you know, interpretation of his work for the screen. He wasn't like uh, opposed to it deviating at least somewhat, right?
7: Well, right. So he does imagine at one point in his career, he says, I want to create this big body of mythology that I won't be able to fully bring into life myself. I'll leave parts of it only sketched. So I'll leave room for other minds and hands to come in and to start filling in the details, right? The model here is probably something like you, you've got Homer's Iliad, right? But then in the centuries after Homer, other Greek poets and playwrights will come along and they'll take things that were hinted at or things that were alluded to in Homer and develop them into a full, a, a full play or a full drama or something like this. Tolkien at one point, Imagine that for his work. And that would obviously involve some deviation and some development. So it's nothing it's nothing objectionable necessarily to have some deviation from Tolkien. The question is um, or some development from Tolkien. The question is whether it's going to be faithful or whether or not.
4: You know, I was thinking about this. I was having this conversation before the the movie came out. We saw the trailer and I saw Gladrail running into battle and I was like that seems that seems odd. Her leading a battle, her being a warrior, fighting and I've been told because uh, I haven't seen it myself that she is predict- she is portrayed as a strong warrior type amongst a bunch of men who are more weak and have to uh, depend on her to lead the battle. And that just seems very opposite of the feminine nature of Galadriel. We see her in Peter Jackson, and in the Peter Jackson film, she encourages the men. It's by her beauty and her glory that the men are encouraged to fight, and it's the perfect reflection of the Blessed Virgin Mary, who we celebrate her most holy name today, And how we look at Our Lady, and it is by looking at her, we have the courage to go out and fight the battle, as many of the great king saints and the knight saints have done. Uh, What what did you think about that whole idea of the the look at Gladriel?
7: Oh, it's just so painful, right? You know, Gladriel was one of Tolkien's favorite characters. And he came back to her again and again and again over a period of decades, right? Continually reimagining. But that central image where Galadriel is this figure of maternal grace and devotion and inspiration, right? This image that Tolkien admits in a letter might ultimately be due to his devotion of blessed to the Blessed Virgin from whom all his images of beauty are ultimately derived, right? I mean, what's happened here? And the, the crazy thing is obviously Amazon thinks that they've created a strong, empowered female character, right? What they've done is they've taken what's truly a feminine genius, right? What's truly an image of the healing and nurturing and inspiration and the strength of character because Galadriel is one of the most important characters in Lord of the Rings. And they've turned her into what sort of a B plus hero, Mm -hmm. a B plus hero and a jerky commander of a platoon of soldiers, right? At one point she drives her men so far that they mutiny against her. And it seems like, (laughs) We've lost something in translation here, right? You've got the Marian figure who inspires the quest versus this cold, hard Amazon, no pun intended, this cold, hard Amazon (laughs) who drives people to the breaking point. We've definitely lost something there.
4: Yeah, it's like a Mary Sue of warriors. Yeah, it's no longer no longer unique, no longer Mm -hmm. special. I'm also thinking of you know the queen just died. I didn't know that she. I just found out she died today uh, or last (laughs) night. And the um, and the thing about it is that you have sometimes royalty, someone that's lofty, that's not connected with you directly, but someone that you look up to and a and a ideal into which you strive. And that's one of the images of Gladrail, and that is shattered. And that, I think that's a huge error that's going to be put in throughout the whole the whole show is the role of women in the in the Tolkien verse in the, in, the in, in middleworth.
7: I think you're right. You know I mean, this goes back to Tolkien's moral imagination. Tolkien being well educated, deeply Catholic, deeply traditional, he allows that there are differences between men and women, right? Equal dignity, but differences in roles. So that comes through in his works, right? Now we live in a world where you can't even begin to admit that. You can't even begin Mm -hmm. to suggest that. And so you've got your Mary Sue Warriors. And, you know, we've seen this in a dozen series, a dozen adaptations in the past decade. You can look at your Star Wars. You can look at your Marvel or you can look at whatever you want, right? We do this time and time and time again, right? Right. But it's just sad to see this modern obsession with leveling gender and by ennobling women, by making them unattractive men, right, right yeah. become a Tolkien's world.
2: They rob the dignity and beauty of, of femininity in that. Uh, we're running out of time here, but let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the 800 pound grill in the room. And that is the use of race. And racial political tension in this series. Uh, in the orig- in Peter Jackson's version, the orcs were pitch black because that was part of the Tolkien universe. Pitch black, they represented pure evil. In this new adaptation, the orcs are white, and uh, now we see characters recast in different uh, different races. And I don't think that's an issue, but some fans have said it confuses them as to n- to understanding the relations from one character to the next. What say you, uh, uh, Doctor Ben?
7: Well, you know, long and short of it, just to make it really, really simple, Tolkien's world is a very carefully drawn out world, right? He wants his world to feel like a real world, right? So you've got European type people where European type people are supposed to be. You've got Arabic type people where Arabic people are supposed to be. And that's one of the reasons why his world feels real. A Tolkien adaptation that's, multiracial is absolutely possible, right? You could explore the South. You could explore the East. You could do all sorts of really interesting things there. They do this, but in the clumsiest way possible, right? They ask us to imagine, right, a tiny agrarian clan of about 25 people that has the racial makeup of modern Brooklyn, right? right? Yeah, That that doesn't happen. And it creates this sort of uncanny, uh, uncanny, jarring quality where it's like, but, but that's, that's not what a 25 person farming community looks like. Right. Um, so the big thing is it's another area where there's a clear agenda driven message being put in here. There's a clear agenda driven message and very rarely does art improve by the insertion of objective uh, of obvious political agendas. And that's just what you've got going on.
2: Yeah. It, On the whole, though, okay, so we're down to the last minute here. Uh, How do you rate this? I mean, uh, what is your opinion? Should people watch this? Should families embrace this? I have not uh, let my children watch this. I'm not sure I'm going to. What say you, Dr. Ben Reinhardt? So
7: so I would certainly keep children away from it. Um, There's content in it from sheer transparent clothing to the graphic violence that makes it unsuitable for for younger audiences. Absolutely, I would say, unsuitable for younger audiences. For older audiences, um, if you're looking to kill time and you're willing to filter out the messages, if you're willing to filter out the be your own boss, filter out the you can be whatever you want to be and rebel, then maybe so. Otherwise, I'd say just avoid.
2: All right, well, there you go, Dr. Ben Reinhardt, Associate Professor of English at Franciscan U. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for being on with us and giving us your take on the Rings of Power. Very grateful to you. Have a great day. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for hour number one. If you can join us in the next hour, Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com is going to be on talking about the faith of Queen Elizabeth and King Charles, possibly, and liturgical reform. All that coming up next. Otherwise, see you back here tomorrow. God bless you and God love you.
5: Hi, this is Citra D. D. Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and rally for personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to TheMensMarch.com and please spread the word.
8: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family and thirdly the rosary dynamics here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary you first invoke the three persons of the blessed trinity then onto praying the apostles creed then you will pray in our father then you will recite the angel gabriel's words to mary then you'll recite what mary said to elizabeth and then you will relive john the baptist being filled with the holy spirit in the womb then you will ask for mary's assistance in your life and i'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry
5: Hi, this is Terry Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com.
2: Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com.
8: Hi, I'm Father Cedric Pizania from Holy Name Retreat Center in Houston. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So, good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Do you love Lord of the Rings? Are you watching the Rings of Power? If so, what are your thoughts? I'd love to know. You can always comment directly on one of our live video streams where we interact with you directly in the after show. You, all of that is linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt so you can... Hang out with us, comment, tell us what you think. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Odyssey, Rumble, LinkedIn, wherever you like. All linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Did you guys know that there was there was an embargo on commentary of the Rings of Power on Amazon's site? Really? Yeah. So you so, could review it? You so, yeah. So we could review it. What they had was <laughs> they gave social media influencers early access. Standard. So those folks were allowed to give commentary during the embargo and no one else could so they would delete or suppress your commentary <laughs> otherwise and they all of those folks sur- not surprisingly all said oh this is the best thing ever it's so amazing it's this is the greatest thing i've ever seen yeah and but by the way they're spending like a billion dollars over over the course of five seasons to produce this yeah they
4: gotta they gotta pull up all the stops got to censor. like they said I, I think i remember reading someone saying um they put out like amazon's uh video service like is hinging on this series yeah, doing well. It's a lot of money. And so uh, the people have been saying, do not hate watch. Yeah. Do not hate watch. Yeah. We want this to bomb
2: so that way it so, ruins Amazon's yeah. video service. So those early access commentators, uh, with, for the privilege of having that status, all left good reviews. That's the at least that's what people are saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once the embargo ended, which happened three days ago. Everybody else could finally review and comment and that is now I think it's like thirty nine percent rotten tomato. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's It's pretty bad. So I'm sure it's a bomb uh, central.
4: I'm sure it's good in terms of like just like tribble in general. Like Mm -hmm. if you're just watching, if you're looking for a uh, Game of Thrones-esque yeah. uh, t- a lot TV of show. Were. And a that's lot of probably were. what a lot of these influencers, like not, yeah. not invested in Tolkien world, and were like, oh, yeah. this is a great TV mm-hmm. show. This is fun, exciting. Yeah. But if you are a, a fan of Tolkien, if you understand right. the world, then it's like... And
2: it does get divided that way. I watched uh, Dr. Anthony Stein's review of this as well over the weekend. I watched, a, I watched several from different viewpoints... What people thought of this. One of the, one of the, one of the common uh, threads of criticism was, this is just boring. Mm. It's just boring. It's not captivating. It's confusing. Uh, the, the script writing is terrible. The dialogue is bad. The acting is not well delivered. Probably because the script wasn't good. The actors just didn't deliver well. And then the main character, Gladriel, is not a likable character. That was one of the main themes in a lot of these reviews that I saw. And of course, you had folks that were serious Tolkien fans. Then you had folks that were just Peter Jackson Tolkien fans. And then you had folks that were looking for Game of Thrones-esque uh, entertainment. Mm. And still, in all of those camps, there was a pretty common, no, we don't like this kind of response. But uh, You know what?
4: I'm going to watch episode one tonight, and I'm going to give gonna you all give my opinions us? tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. Yep. I have not watched a single episode. I'm going to watch episode one. Yeah. And if I, if I hate it, mm-hmm. I'll let you all know. If I... Think I think it's if I think it's okay, I'll be honest. Yeah, okay. of course. Yeah. I watch a, I'll, uh if I think it's okay, mm-hmm. then I may I may continue watching it just to see how it plays out.
2: Now, all right, uh, so we'll have to look forward to that. Now, the the here is the thing, though, dear listener. This is the last normal episode of the whole week. This is Sherathon week across the Guadalupe Radio Network, which means we come to you this week to ask you for help help uh, by a way of a gift, by way of support, by way of joining us in the apostolate that we have here to bring you the good, the true, and the beautiful all across the Guadalupe Radio Network family, wherever you are, we are 100% listener-funded by you. So uh, it, it's so important to us that you are with us in this work, that you are standing side by side with us here on the front lines. And we're going to ask you, starting tomorrow at 7 a.m., if you will commit to that cause by some gift. A dollar a day, whatever gift you can, we're gonna ask you to do that. So the way it'll affect the Catholic drive time is starting tomorrow, seven a.m., Sherathon will kick off. So our second hour, the hour that we would be doing right now, won't happen until nine AM Central, ten Eastern, from Tuesday through Friday. And then next Monday we'll go back to our regular scheduled programming so today's the only day we're going to do a fear and Trembling game show that's coming up at 15 past the hour uh so if you call in first caller you're pretty much going to win the prize okay so whoever calls first gets to play the game and obviously win the prize praise be to god because we won't have any have it any other day this week and then of course it's the only day for the after show as well so if you want to comment hang out with us you gotta tune in today in the uh, in the after show, which is one of our live video streams, all linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And I'd love to know what your thoughts are of the rings of power and Tolkien in general. So comment in the in the chat boxes, and we will discuss that in the after show today. So that's what's going to happen. I would ask you to please do consider making a generous gift to the Guadalupe Radio Network to support our cause, to make it possible for us, not just as a team, to be up at 3 a.m. five days a week to bring you the news and the, and the most interesting content, but also as a whole apostolate, the, Gu- the Guadalupe Radio Network, making sure that our towers are alive and well, streaming to your radio stations, the good, the true, and the beautiful of the Catholic faith, 24-7. And uh, we would be grateful for your support, so please do join us there. All right, uh, joining us now by Zoom chat is our good friend Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Joe, Rudy, and Adrian. Praise be to good God.
0: Morning.
2: Glad to have and you on the great. show again uh, this week. We're very grateful to see you. Now, uh, as, a, uh, as a member of the Anglican Ordinariate, you probably are required to be a Tolkien fan. Uh, what is your opinion of the Rings of Power?
9: I'm not going to watch it. No, <laughs> yeah, not, especially after listening to dr Ben. no no I, you know who you should ask uh tim mott
2: uh, he may have a different opinion oh yeah <laughs> i'm curious about tim's a, opinion
9: a giant tolkien fan
2: yeah for sure absolutely
9: it's i, I think he wears those alvin ears for halloween <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know we
9: on some level, we
2: just want to be entertained and I don't mind the fan fiction of, uh, uh, sometimes if it's done well in good taste and, and properly produced, but this does not seem to be that. Um, so yikes. I mean, I, I don't see us watching this as a family at the house.
9: I think the one positive thing I can say about it is that you mentioned it, it not being games of throne esque. Thank goodness. So There's far enough pornography on the internet.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people rationalized watching games of throne, think it, thrones, thinking it was just, uh, pure entertainment, but it was very explicit no. and over sexualized and definitely, uh, a slippery slope towards, uh, immorality and then obviously mortal sin. So, uh, I hope this doesn't devolve to that. However, Dr. Uh, Reinhardt pointed out they did hire consultants to help the actors prepare for nude scenes in this rings of power.
4: So. Ugh. Yeah, I don't even know what that
2: means. Well, yeah, Ugh. intimacy coaches—they called them. Why not? I, so. I, I didn't
4: even know that existed. All right, let's need, switch to something I didn't, I didn't better. To let's just
2: switch. Okay, uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. We talked about this with Peter uh, Edward Penton on Friday. Uh, big news, obviously, if, you know, uh, reverberated around the whole world. 70-year reign, longest reigning monarch in recent history. Now King Charles III is. Monarch in England and the realms around. What is your take on all of that story, uh, Tito Edwards?
9: On on the well, it's it's a tr- it's a sad moment in our lives that the Queen Elizabeth has passed away. And reflecting on that, I, I believe uh, after John Paul II, uh, this is a, a big milestone in the history of the West for for all of us. Because she represents a past that no longer exists, where people uh, would serve out of duty, mm-hmm. where people still have, even, even non-practicing and agnostic Christians would still hold the values uh, handed down to them by their predecessors. All that is almost gone it 's almost gone and and it, I think it 's a bookmark it 's a uh, definitely not a footnote but a bookmark mm-hmm. uh, in our lives right now and and we can point to this maybe nine eleven as the the you know the the decline of christendom It is very interesting though because their
2: monarchy exists as more of a figurehead, although they have a role according to their constitution she meets with or she met with. Her uh, prime minister, every single week, she reviewed documents of the state. She had to sign off on them. So there's a role she plays in their constitution. Yet, at the same time, it is pretty much expected of the monarch to just rubber stamp whatever their parliament comes up with. Even though, technically, they would have a say. Like, for instance, she could have refused legalization of abortion in England. She did not. She could have refused... Same-sex marriage in England, she did not. Uh, she she rubber stamped those, and yet she's a woman who claims to be or had claimed to be someone of of uh, deep faith, deep Christian faith. She would often make statements uh, about how much she depends upon God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the like. But she seems to endorse these uh, these uh, things that are gravely, morally evil. How do we look at
9: that? Uh, she she. That's a very good point that you laid out. Uh, of of the things that she could have done, and it's reflective in in how she manages everything. At you're just looking at her own children, you know how involved was she? I guess she didn't interfere in their lives because of the disasters all three of them became, and it's reflected in their in her grandchildren. Uh, yes, uh, she didn't have the character to uh, to do what the King of Belgium did and uh, reject no no it was uh, the Duke of luxembourg or luxembourg. luxembourg yeah luxembourg and rejected the abortion uh passage of law there mm. and uh that that she she will be she has uh been answering to god about that uh we pray that she's in his beatific vision but yeah. yes that that's that's a poor reflection on the queen uh, she could have done something. She should have done something. I'm sure they would have done a runaround, but at the very least, she, that would have been a public statement of her faith. Yeah, and, and it's also reflected in the Anglican Communion in in uh, England and Wales. She did nothing to prevent the dismantling of of Christian tradition, of the the, the dogmas and moral laws handed down to her through Jesus Christ through the Catholic Church, uh, and then it was uh, uh, superseded by the Church of England. So, yes, her, 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 uh, record on that was poor. To say, to be charitable. Very poor.
4: Yeah, the, so, I didn't, I was gone this last week, so I didn't even know that she died until last night. I get home around 10 o'clock and I, I walk in and my, my mom's like, so, what do you think about the queen dying? <laughs> and I was like, what? The, the queen died? Well, so I was like, what? what are we talking about? And she's like, yeah, she died and on the ninth, on uh, the Feast of Our Lady. And I was like, what? That's crazy. What? And so I am just thinking about it. She's like, well, what's your opinion about it? And I was like, well, I mean, one, I, I don't really care about the monarchy in general. I'm not a huge – I'm not a follower of the British monarchy. I'm not – I don't know anything about uh, anything she's done or didn't do. I don't know anything about the roles of different princes, dukes, etc. But – the thing Let's that on I, on that I the thing that I, that I think is interesting, and the thing that struck me is her symbolic role. That's so important. Her symbolic role as the remnants of Christian civilization. Even though mm-hmm. she was not Catholic, even though she may have done been, even if she was a horrible, evil, wicked person, she withheld the circumstance and pompness of the office of royalty and after her death that's going to be diminished until it's no longer in existence and i think that is the reason why we should mourn it and i saw this article this morning from john the ii at the tfp we mourn the queen and he puts out a well-balanced article and i think uh people should take take a look at that uh, but what do you think about that tito
9: no, uh very well said. It, all it is is a dead carcass. It's just the skin that's left over. There's there's no life in the body so to speak of of uh, Christianity in England as reflected in their 2% attendance every Sunday. Yeah, uh, it's it's <clears throat> it's gone. I uh, it's sad that she passed away. She had a deep personal faith. But we know what happens with people with deep personal faiths, but mm. public apostasy, uh, witnessed in our in our grand vizier called President Biden and Nancy Pelosi. So there's it's uh, it's sad that she's passed away. It's she could have done uh, a whole lot more. Many 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 missed opportunities. Uh, so it's it's just a contrast. It's a dichotomy that's yeah. hard for me to grasp at this moment.
2: Yeah, we definitely pray for her. Uh, keep her repose in your prayers, for sure. She seemed like a very lovely lady, otherwise. Uh, very personable and uh, sense of humor, which we talked about with Edward Penton. And you can catch that on uh, on YouTube as well, that conversation and our podcast feeds. But uh, Tito Edwards, BigPulpit.com. God bless you, brother. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We'll see you next Thank Monday. Thank you, Joe. All right, uh the phone number, first caller gets to play the game and win prizes, eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. Giving those prizes away to today. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. We'll be right back.
5: The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be?
6: Mark 6 verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot Who was Abraham's nephew is called his brother. Another point to consider: Would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers? Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27:55 and 56 that the James and Josephs mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. And one other passage to consider. Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Let's see. There were 11 apostles at the time. Jesus' mother makes 12. The women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake. That puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90. According to this scripture passage, do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world.
0: This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
8: Joe McLean, praise be to Jesus Christ.
2: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas, kind of like Rings of Power. But uh, I can't tell you <laughs> unless you pro- don't. <laughs> I can't tell you what my secrets and my agendas are uh, unless you promise not to share it with the world. Okay, that's that's the deal. That's that's the trick. You just can't die miss out. But otherwise. Uh, number one, we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about your Catholic faith that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh, a good chuckle, a nice time. And our callers are amazing, and we appreciate that most. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which means we incentivize you to uh, to pick up that phone and call because you could win cool stuff. But today is special because it's the only it's the only normal day for Catholic Drive Time all week long since it's Sheraton week. So that means uh, we're going to give out the prize today. So our caller will 99.9% sure going to win prizes today. All right, so that's the deal. All right, but here's the kicker. We won't ask our caller the questions. They don't need to know. They might not know a single correct answer, but could still win the game. It's possible. Praise be to God. Because instead of asking them, I'll ask Rudy. I will ask Adrian, one of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whoops! do they trust more? Do they trust Rudy? Do they trust Adrian? Well, they always know they can trust me. I'm on their side. Don't believe them. (laughs) Then the caller will have 15 (laughs) seconds to make a decision, and then the correct answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence. Rudy, what can they win? Well, since today's the only day we're going to play the game show, Mm -hmm. just to
3: repeat what we've just said Mm -hmm. for the third time, Mm -hmm. we are giving away one of two remaining replicas of the coffee cup of divine providence. Yeah, certified replicas, by the way. Certified replicas. As I mentioned before, Mm -hmm. we found a treasure trove of these. They were counterfeits, so their loss, our gain. Were they buried? Maybe it was your gain. Was it buried in a in a pyramid in Giza? I forget. Where did we find them? (laughs) Funny story is uh, Mm -hmm. they were in the Mm -hmm. Dead Sea. What? They were next to the scrolls the whole time. The whole time. The I whole hear, time, they, they didn't, they didn't notice the cardboard box. They <laughs> didn't see the cardboard box there. <laughs> they got so excited with the scrolls and they just left the box there. And, you
4: know, well, we were huh. there on
3: vacation. We saw them. We I wanted up. to
2: see the original manuscripts of this uh, the story. <laughs> that's true. <That's right>. Right. <laughs> the good news is it's cheaper to ship from China to the Dead Sea than it is to here. That's true. So, oh, that's exactly. good. I saved a little money that way. But <laughs> praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. A couple shekels there. Good morning <laughs> to you, Anne Marie. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Our friend from Germantown, Maryland. How how is life in Germantown, Maryland?
5: Uh, actually, it's life in Pennsylvania. I'm up here with my mother. Oh hey.
2: well, what part of Pennsylvania?
5: Fairfield. We're just north of Emmitsburg.
2: Well, there's uh, the Carmelites are up there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the praise Carmelites is
5: three miles from us, and I hey. weekly. That's,
2: That's awesome. cool. That's cool. Praise be yeah. to God. Uh, well, h- how is life in general? How is mom?
5: Uh. Well,
2: we're holding on. All right. We'll continue to pray for her. Yeah, we, we, we'll keep her in our prayers. But it's share a weekend. Marie, you want to give us a little bit of a tip, a little bit of heads up on which Marian apparitions you might be asking about?
5: Yeah, uh, actually, those are not secrets. They're right out there. But you mm-hmm. know what? Mm-hmm. It's whatever... You know, the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. tells me at the moment before I call in.
2: Okay, okay. So maybe you can give us a specific year that you're going to be considering, <laughs> possibly.
5: One year? No, 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 no. I've I've okay. got mm-hmm. two thousand years. I get to
2: figure out. <laughs> maybe we can narrow that down. Just uh, what if we only do the, the latter half, the last <laughs> inch, the last
4: millennia? That will be oh, easier.
5: Okay. <laughs> you mean between ten and twenty?
4: How about between the last thousand decade. to two thousand twenty-two? Yeah. I think that, that narrows it down. I haven't heard
5: nice. of any in 2022. Which I makes it easier for us. we in 1994 <laughs> and 95. But, uh, I'm not allowed to use those. So All okay. right.
2: All right. Well, praise be to God. I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right. You know the game. You know how this works. Are you ready?
5: Yeah. Well, you know my game, too. Uh,
2: pff, trust me, we do. We do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's go to uh, Brother Rudy Carlos to start the game off back in the hot seat. Good morning to you, Rudy. Are you ready? Good morning. I am. Praise be to God. Uh, Back with the Paisley thing. Dude, I'm Uh, I'm back here with the Holy Ghost tie. The Holy Ghost tie. The uh, Mm -hmm. Upper Room
3: tie. The Upper Room tie. The Uh, Tongues of Fire. Holy Ghost, Tongues of Fire tie. Paisley.
2: Tongues of Fire, Paisley. Love it. All right. Rudy, can you tell me? (laughs) Name one. Uh, name one of three things. Just one of three things. Just one uh, that Our Lady of Fatima, speaking of Marian apparitions, hmm. had uh, told to the children to do. Fatima's is overrated, by the way. Just
3: kidding. What? No, it's not. I need some uh,
1: to throw <laughs> them <laughs> out the window. Right just kidding. Right,
3: yeah. Number one,
2: pray the rosary. Oh, okay. Every day. Well, there's one. Pray the rosary. Rosary. Easy pickings. You oh, okay. another one. Uh, No, only one is necessary. If you want to give me one more, you can. That's fine. I'll just give you the one. Pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. If if I could give you one takeaway, pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. All right. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, Adrian. Hey, Joe. It's good to have you back in the studio. It's good to be back. Praise be to God. Could you tell me at least one of the three things that Our Lady Fatima told the children to do? Oh, of course I can. I'm a huge, you know, fan of
4: Our Lady of Fatima. Okay. Uh, make videos for America needs Fatima. Nice. And I distinctly remember mm-hmm. Our Lady of Fatima told the shepherd children, yeah. to make sure to stay up to date on everything going on in really? Catholic news." That's why they tune into Catholic Drive Time. That's right. The they in. That's exactly right. Seers. Well, they didn't tune into Catholic Drive Time. We didn't exist yet. We're uh, the official. We show well,
2: we weren't born yet. I'm of sure of you were. I'm Batman. back in 1970. <laughs> Wow, it was good times, man. <laughs> uh, it's, I'm sad for the shepherd children not having had Catholic drive to at I know, I know. They had
4: to what, read yeah. newspapers. Yeah. They didn't have radios, so they had to Ooh. keep up to date with the newspapers.
2: Your listener, you're lucky. All right, praise be to God. Emory, you have options here. One of the three things Our Lady of Fatima asked the children to do, Adrian seems to think it was to keep up on current events, to kind of keep a, a tab on the specific Specifically pulse. Catholic news. Catholic news in particular. Uh, and uh, Rudy says, pray the rosary. <laughs> (laughs) on the nose there. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Anne-Marie in Pennsylvania, what say you?
5: I try and get at least two mysteries of the rosary every day.
2: Okay. So your answer is your rosary? You thinking Rudy's right?
5: If It was given to us. It Mm -hmm. is one of our major weapons and I make sure that I've got 15 in the car and two on my person all the time.
2: (laughs) It is
5: my weapon of choice.
2: Survey says... She's up on the news, Duh. Adrian.
5: Duh. <laughs> I try to yeah. do that too, but you know...
2: And less important, less you have important. to choose one or the other. Pray the, Pray the rosary. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, praise be to God. You're going to win one way or the other today. But let's just have fun with these next questions. We'll go to Adrian first, which I know has uh, advanced degrees in Christian symbology. It's so true, it's true. I'm so excited, Adrian. Can you tell me what early Christian symbol spelled out the initials of the Greek words Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior? Ah, yes. That would be the Cairo.
4: Really? Mm-hmm. I love that mm-hmm. symbol. I know. I know it. Yeah, I've seen it on uh, on uh, hats of yours. Yes. i seen it on t shirts of yours. Uh-huh. Websites. Tattoos? Uh, do you have a tattoo of a Cairo? Uh, no, actually. I didn't know that.
2: <laughs> All right, you t- got it on Matt Walsh's arm? <laughs> uh, yes, there's that. Cairo was your answer. All right. Yep. Uh, Rudy, could you tell me what early Christian symbol spelled out the initials of the Greek words Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of God? savior it was a dark
3: and stormy night really just picture yourself there okay and you look to your left you oh. look to your right yeah make sure there's no centurions around <laughs> and then you're looking forward and yeah. you see the guy in front of you uh-huh. and you say are you one of them and he's like what and then you sweep your foot and you make a big sweep with your foot uh-huh. and it he does it too and what does it look like it's I a fish know. A fish. What? (laughs) All of that to say mm -hmm. the ikfus. Which looks
2: like a a fish. I see. The fish
3: symbols. They would do that in secrets.
2: All right, Anne Marie. Is it the fish symbol that spells out Jesus Christ, Son of God, uh, Savior, as Rudy tells us? Or is it the Kairo, as Adrian seems to suggest? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Anne Marie in Fairfield, what say you?
5: Our Lord gave the, the Peter and all the fishermen, they were fishers of men, not of mm.
2: fish anymore. Mm. Mm. So your answer is it's your, the fish. Rudy, fish? Survey says.
1: Fish. <laughs> so why? I can't trick her. Oh.
2: <laughs> the Cairo was what uh, uh, Constantine saw in the sky. Right. Yeah. Right. So the Cairo. Isn't that
5: the P and the X?
2: Uh, It looks like it. It looks like it. Yeah, for sure. So my favorite Christian symbols is the Cairo. But the fish is the correct answer. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior, congratulations. You're double winner now. But let's see if we can't get you in for a perfect score. We're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me, could you give me the, or complete for me, the fifth beatitude? Blessed are the merciful... Or they shall have justice. Mm. Ah. Justice. Justice. That was a major theme in the uh, The Days of Noah film that I sent to our CDT Insiders on Friday. Mm. Uh, But let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, can you complete this fifth beatitude? Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Marie, is it... Mercy or justice. Adrian says mercy. Rudy says justice. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? And Marie, what say you?
5: I think we've got mercy on our on our hearts. Divine mercy, we've got mercy.
2: amen praise be to god for they shall obtain mercy is the correct answer to the fifth beatitude emory perfect score well played madam you did great thanks for playing our game and having a laugh with us today
5: well thank you for having me joe I, i'm so excited
2: amen and uh, hey listen it's just between us okay if you want to send me those dates in advance so i can prepare i won't tell rudy or adrian all right.
5: But that's only five minutes before I call in.
2: <laughs> I'll take the five-minute head start because okay, okay. I'll need it. God bless you, Anne-Marie. Uh, thanks for supporting our uh, radio postulate. We're always grateful to you. Have a great day. We're going to put you on hold. But uh, that's going to do it for the only normal second hour of the week. The rest of the week is super awesome because it's share week, and you can support our... Catholic Radio Apostolate. CDT will be on at 9 a.m. Central, 10 Eastern for the rest of the week. You can tune in then or just open up your radio and tune in to Guadalupe Radio Network
6: and support us. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time
0: Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the Chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
10: Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of the Holy Name of Mary. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
4: And with your spirit.
10: My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. that for all who celebrate the glorious name of the Blessed Virgin Mary, she may obtain your merciful favor. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever.
0: Amen.
11: A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, in giving this instruction, I do not praise the fact that, that your meetings are doing more harm than good. First of all, I hear that when you meet as a church, there are divisions among you, and to a degree I believe it. There have to be factions among you, in order that also those who are approved among you may become known. When you meet in one place, then, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own supper, and one goes hungry. While another gets drunk, do you not have houses in which you can eat and drink? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and make those who have nothing feel ashamed? What can I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this matter, I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was handed over, took bread, and after he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also the cup, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes again. Proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes again. Sacrifice or oblation you wished not, but ears open to obedience you gave me. Burnt offerings or sin offerings you sought not. Then said I, Behold, I come.
10: Proclaim the The death of the Lord until until he comes
11: comes again. In the written scroll it is prescribed for me, To do your will, O my God, is my delight and your law is within my heart. Proclaim
10: Proclaim the the death death of of the Lord
11: until he comes again. I announced your justice in the vast assembly. I did not restrain my lips as you, O Lord,
10: know. Proclaim Proclaim the the death death of the Lord until until he comes again.
11: May all who seek you exult and be glad in you, and may those who love your salvation say ever, The Lord be glorified. Proclaim Proclaim the
10: the death of the Lord until he comes again. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. alleluia, alleluia. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. Hallelujah! alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke.
0: Glory to you, Lord.
10: When Jesus had finished all his words to the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave who was ill and about to die, and he was very valuable to him. When he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and save the life of his slave. They approached Jesus and strongly urged him to come, saying, He deserves to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he built a synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But when he was only a short distance from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell him, "'Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you enter under my roof. Therefore, I do not consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a person subject to authority, with soldiers subject to me. And I say to one, "'Go,' and he goes, and to another, "'Come here,' and he comes.' And to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning, said to the crowd following him, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When the messengers returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The church, especially in the U.S., is trying to promote again that Eucharistic amazement to come to really celebrate the Eucharist more profoundly and more deeply in our lives. Both of these readings really have Eucharistic tones, especially the first reading, St. Paul. He speaks about what he himself received, that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, this is my body, and then he took the chalice, this is my blood, When you do this, do this in memory of me. Apparently there were some difficulties going on in the church in Corinth. Perhaps there was a meal and the Eucharistic celebration that were kind of too closely tied together. So St. Paul wants to be able to really separate these so that the Eucharistic celebration, the receiving of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, would become the central thing. And then to eat and to, to gather would be something that would come later. In the gospel, the words of that centurion, the, the words of this man of deep faith, we say every single time we celebrate the Eucharist. After those words, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those, that is us, who are called to the supper of the Lamb. We take up these very words of the centurion. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter in under my roof, but only say the word, a word and my soul shall be healed. The, sin, the, the faith of the centurion really even amazes Jesus. Not even in such faith as in Israel, has he, or in, in Israel as he found such faith. And it's interesting because the centurion, unlike perhaps many other Romans who had come into the into the Holy Land in order to um, perhaps to make sure that they maintain order and and their rule over the country, really came as a service. He had a very different uh, approach to perhaps many other centurions who were living at that time. Because it says that he had actually gone to the elders of the Jews to, to go to Jesus and, uh, and ask him to do them this, to, to heal his, his servant, who was very valuable to him. And when the, when the elders go to Jesus, they say, he deserves this from, from you because uh, he loves our nation and he built our synagogue for us. He was a man, apparently, who had come uh, to, to maintain order. But he maintained order by having a deep and profound respect for the people for whom he was serving. He did not uh, take all that power and try to lord it over everyone. And I think it's a very different uh, way of doing things. And I think Jesus, in what he hears, hears from the elders, recognizes the heart of this man. The heart of this man is that he recognizes that all Jesus needs to do is to say a word, just one word, and his soul his servant will be healed he doesn 't even want Jesus to come to his side i 'm not worthy can you imagine i 'm not worthy Most of the centurions thought that these people were basically dogs, <laughs> and he understands that Jesus is this very uh, he 's a special man he he is set apart from Everyone else, that he knows the power. Very much like Naaman, the Syrian in the Old Testament. Remember, who comes to, the prophet, comes to the land of Israel to be healed of his leprosy. And he goes to the king who thinks he's trying to start a fight because he doesn't have power to heal. But there is a prophet in Israel whom he is sent to. Um, Elisha the prophet who tells him to go bathe seven times in the Jordan. Not very clean water, but he would be healed. And sure enough, he does. That in the simplicity, his skin had become like a little child. That is the heart of this man, the centurion. It reminds us that we need to have that same humility and lowliness of heart when we come to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. We must examine ourselves to make sure that we are ready to receive him. We're, Lord, I am not worthy. not worthy that you should come and enter under my roof, to come into this house that you have made, this soul. But only say the word, a word, and it shall be healed. It shall be made ready. A word. I would say this in memorial that we celebrate today, the holy name of Mary. Perhaps that's a word that we should have on our hearts. Many of the great saints in preparing for holy communion would simply come to our blessed mother and ask her to exchange their heart for hers. She is the lowly one the truly lowly one who was worthy to receive the messiah and in the same way we want to exchange our heart for hers so that we can receive the lord jesus more perfectly more fruitfully in holy communion and all we need to do as it is the beloved children of god and the beloved children of our blessed mother to say her name mary mary that holy name by which angels or excuse me demons are frightened and angels are in great awe to say that name so that we could be worthy to receive the Lord. May we truly live those word, these words of the centurion. May we have that Eucharistic flame of love within us. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word. My soul shall be healed, ready to receive you in this un- in holy communion. Amen. Let us bring our prayers humbly before our Heavenly Father, who is always so gracious to hear and answer our prayers. We pray for the Holy Church of God. We pray for that Eucharistic renewal throughout the Church. When we come to love and receive Jesus in Holy Communion more worthily, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all those who govern us, that they may, like the heart, have the heart of a centurion, who came really to serve and not to be served. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and those who are suffering. The Lord may say only a word that they may be healed. We pray to the Lord.
8: Lord, Lord hear our prayer.
10: We pray in thanksgiving for the great gift of our Heavenly Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit of Our Lady. And this whole, that on this memorial of the holy name of Jesus, we may call upon her intercession and powerful protection. That we may be uh, become the saints that we are and called it to be, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the intentions of those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio and for the intentions we hold deep in our hearts. We pray to the Lord.
6: Lord, hear our prayer.
10: Finally, we pray for those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, We bring all of our prayers and petitions before you, confident that you hear and answer us through Christ our Lord and through the powerful intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father.
8: May the Lord accept the sacrifice in your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good
9: and the good of all his holy church.
10: May the intercession of Blessed Mary, ever virgin, commend our offerings, we pray, O Lord, and may it make make us acceptable to your majesty as we revere and venerate her name through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you.
9: And with your spirit.
10: Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, to praise your mighty deeds in the exaltation of all the saints and especially as we venerate, the, celebrate the memory of the Blessed Virgin Mary, to proclaim your kindness as we echo her thankful hymn of praise. For truly even to earth's ends you have done great things and extended your abundant mercy from age to age. When you looked on the lowliness of your handmaid, you gave us through her the author of our salvation, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him the hosts of angels adores your majesty and rejoices in your presence forever. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in one chorus of exultant praise as we acclaim Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, ni unce liet terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis, benedictus qui venit in nomine domini, hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O oh Lord, the fount of all holiness. forever and ever amen at the savior's command informed by divine teaching we dare to say our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. the suffrage of the sign of peace. Agnus Dei Qui clolis peccata mundi Miserere nobis Agnus Dei quittolis peccata mundi, misere re nobis agnus Dei, quittolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof. Only say the word and my soul shall be. All generations will call me blessed, for God has looked on his lowly handmaid.
11: An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Ever permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
10: Oh Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come to me. But speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive thee, the bridegroom of my soul. No more by sin to grieve Thee or fly Thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, unworthy though I be, prepare me to receive Him And trust the word to me. Increase my faith, dear Jesus, In thy real presence here, And make me feel most deeply That thou to me art near. My hope in Thee now strengthen, O Savior of my soul. Lest by temptation blinded I turn from my true goal. Let us pray. May we obtain the grace of your blessing, O Lord, through the intercession of Mary, the mother of God, that from her, whose holy name we venerate, we may obtain help in our every need, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Immaculate Mary, thy praises we sing, who reignest in splendor with Jesus our King. Ave, ave, ave Maria, ave, ave Maria.
5: peace always, in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
5: Hi, I'm Denise majeski from Epiphany of the Lord in Katy. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston part of the Guadalupe Radio Network Radio for your soul